David Franicki is a filmmaker and writer from New York City. He has worked in the entertainment industry and in events as a video projectionist. He's freelanced as a photographer during Fashion Week. David has shot, edited, and produced music videos and a YouTube series. He also worked in a green screen studio that worked on everything from commercials to music videos to corporate videos. You can find out more about David on Instagram at DaveBSWL. That's D-A-V-E-B-S-W-L. For this reading of an excerpt of Perception, the role of Daniel is played by Remy Schaefer, the role of Jane is played by Leia Rose, the role of Man is played by Jake Shore, the role of Cop is played by Katrine Arafai, the role of Cop 2, Phone, Secretary, and Voice is played by Tom Schmidt, and the role of Helen is played by Julie Stackhouse, with stage directions and cues read by Isaac J. Connor. Interior, ferry boat. Daniel sits on a small bench in the corner of a commuter ferry. It has a large open center that is pretty full of people. Daniel is in his mid-30s and is dressed very blandly in khaki pants and a gray sweatshirt. There's a woman in his eye line that he keeps staring at. He has a laptop open. He's keeping notes with a name at the top. Her name is Jane. He has times listed and notes beside it. He holds his phone and he begins speaking notes into it. 4.55 p.m. Jane is on her commute home. She had a beer at a snack kiosk waiting on the ferry. She's leaning back and closing her eyes. She appears to be sleeping. 4.56. The computer makes the note for him on the timestamp of 4.55. He types a few notes manually. He looks at the time and it is 4.57 p.m. A large man stands up in the middle of the ferry. He is in between Daniel and Jane, a little to the left. Jane is dozing asleep. The large man begins playing music from his radio. It's loud. Jane sits up and opens her eyes and looks annoyed. She is visibly mumbling to herself. The large man begins singing along with the music. Jane is upset. Two cops stroll along the walkway and see the man. There is a sign behind his head that says, no playing music from any device. They approach him. Oh, here comes the big bad piggies, the piggies in blue clothing. Turn up the music. Why, I ain't bothering nobody. I said, turn up the music. Big, big bad wolf knocking at your door. I'm going to huff and puff and blow you the fuck away. I don't care what you are talking about. Just turn down the music. Or what? Or I'm going to shut it off for you. Big bad wolf. I'm going to ask you one last time to shut the music off, and then I'm going to confiscate the radio. Listen, man, I've had a bad day at work. I just want to have a few beers, listen to music, and chill. Why don't you have a beer on me and listen to the lyrics, and you'll chill out too? Come here. The man takes off running from the cop. He evades them as they try to get get to him. He stays away from them, turning up the music and singing along to it even louder than before. It's my First Amendment right to be able to listen to my music and say whatever I want. Rules of the ferry state that there will be no music playing on any radio. I'm just trying to do my job. It's my First Amendment right to say that you're an asshole. Jane is watching all of this and tries to trip the man as he gets close to her. He jumps over her feet with ease and laughs. Daniel makes a note of this on his computer. Jane turns around in her seat watching the man evade the cops. His music blares. Now you're going to be arrested. Now stop and put your hands behind your head. Drop the radio. The cops put their hands on their weapons. They don't draw them. The man stops the music and sits down. There, I stopped the music. The cops inch forward towards him. It's too late for that now. 
you just verbally assaulted an officer of the law. That's an arrestable offense. I have First Amendment rights, and I can call you an asshole if I want. The man jumps up from his seat and gets away from them. Come back here. First Amendment right. First Amendment right. Jane stands up. I see why they're shooting you dead in the streets, you stupid pink piggies. There need to be more wolves in the street, more blood in the street. It's my First Amendment right to call you a traitor. You're a traitor and a problem to this country. You look like a dirty, illegal alien. Ma'am, please sit down and let us handle this. You don't need to be involved. Cop number two goes towards Jane. Jane continues to stand. Miss, please sit down and shut up or I will be forced to remove you. What did you just say to me? I said sit down and shut up. I'm just using my First Amendment rights to voice my disdain for that vagrant. Take care. Cop number two grabs Jane and detains her. She grabs her stuff and he brings her to the periphery of the boat. They are now sitting closer to Daniel in his corner. The man with the radio runs away and gets out of sight. The other cop follows him. Cop number two sits next to Jane. Why is such a pretty girl like yourself acting like such a trashy bitch? You can't talk to me that way. Did you hear what he just said to me? No one responds to her. They all mind their own business. Pussies. Christ almighty. Ladies shouldn't talk that way. Didn't your parents teach you any manners? I don't think they would have raised such a brat. Learn your place. What's your name and your badge? Keep your uneducated and unwanted comments to yourself and you'll find yourself a happy girl. Step out of line and I'll make sure that you get treated like the paper you insulted. How dare you? I have a college degree and a better job than that. Jane's face is red and she's furious. The ferry comes to an end and everyone lines up to leave. She's rearranging things in her purse and muttering to herself. She gets up and is impatient to leave as everyone begins filing out. Daniel continues to write down notes as the people all leave the boat. After everyone leaves, the two cops and the man with the radio all sit down next to Daniel. That was good. She responded. We definitely got to her. Team two has her in view now. What's the next part of the assessment? That's all I have in the books for now. It's slowing down. I need a vacation. I feel that. How do I get to your position? Time and experience. How long did it take you? This will be my seventh year. This is my third assignment in this role. That's pretty quick. I've been here 10. Years. Six months. You gotta put in the time. Do the work, study the book. Know it forwards and backwards. Follow it and don't break it. Simple. Sounds simple. Anyway. Forwards and backwards. Who's mentoring you? Edward. Ah, uh, he's good. He mentored me. Are you mentoring? Uh, are you mentoring yet? I have one, Carl. He was in my training classes. He's a good guy. He's smart and he's hardworking. Thanks, Daniel. It was a good assessment. Team two says she stopped at a bar in the lobby. I'm gonna go catch up to her. Thanks again, guys. He gathers his stuff. Interior, bar. Daniel walks into the bar and finds a booth at the corner of the bar. Jane is sitting at the bar. She has a few shot glasses empty in front of her. She takes another shot. Daniel pulls his phone out of his pocket. He talks into it again. Jane is drinking after her assessment on the boat. The undue stress caused a response to drink. Alcohol is evident in her coping mechanism. 
She's had four drinks in the course of an hour. Her personality shifts after ingestion of three drinks. A burly man comes into the bar. He's swaying and is visually drunk. He stops at the bar next to Jane. Daniel calls someone on the phone. Who's the drunk guy? I was going to ask you the same thing. Not mine. This is a natural occurrence. Everyone stand down. Copy that. At the bar, the burly drunk man sits down next to Jane. He is unintelligible, but the movements and actions of his hips and hands say that he's making a pass at her, quite sloppily and aggressively. Jane stops and looks at him. She pours her drink on his head. He wipes the drink from his eyes and he hops up from his seat. He grabs for her tits and she grabs the empty glass and smashes it on his head. The man goes down like a sack of potatoes. She laughs and gathers herself, gathers her stuff. The bartender picks up the phone to call the cops. She kicks the man in the gut as she heads for the door. Daniel looks at the floor as he passes him, as she passes him, but he smiles for her to see. She lets the door slam shut. Interior, office. Daniel, in a suit, sits at his office going over information on his computer. He's compiling information. There's a buzz and an intercom sounds. Mr. Houston, your 230's here. Thank you, send her in. The door opens and the secretary shows in Helen. Helen is a tall blonde woman with a tight red dress with a tight red dress on, high heels, and sunglasses. She's stunning. She's in her mid-40s, mature, elegant, and classically beautiful. Her heels click-clack across the floor. Her hips rock back and forth as she walks. Her curves are distracting. Daniel stands and extends his hand. Helen shakes his hand with a good grip. Daniel, we talked on the phone, I believe. Helen, yes, Daniel, I remember. She pulls an antique cigarette box from her purse. She pulls a long, slim cigarette from the innards. She puts it in her lips and she lights it. Is it okay if I smoke? There's no smoking in the building. Do you care if I smoke? I don't smoke, if that's what you're asking. No, I asked. Forget it. She puts it out on the floor with her foot. There, that's better. Did you get a chance to look over the material I sent you? It was like a book. Do you have any questions? If I hire your company, you'll follow me around and gauge the kind of person I am. That wasn't really a question. Are you asking if that's what we do? That is what you do. I read the book. Have you ever wondered what people thought about, about you after you left the table? Or what you look like at the table when you eat? Or how your coworkers really feel about you? <laughs> Why should I care? You're here, aren't you? So you care somewhat. Honestly, my mother said I was a heartless bitch. My boyfriend from college said I had a cold heart. My husband says I'm dead inside. Do you feel like that describes who you are? I know what I myself like to you. I am not here to judge you. That's not what I do. I only show you what you look like to everyone else. I had a client who was a bad driver, yelled at her kids too much, and was nasty at work. When this person came to me, she couldn't figure out why everything in her life was so negative. When we showed her the videos of the driving, the yelling, and what she truly looked like at work, she realized that she was in fact bringing the negativity to herself. You think I'm a bitch and you're gonna video me yelling at a guy at a bar or something. What the fuck does that matter? It's more than that. We monitor you in everyday situations and record your interactions. We log all that information to get to know the real you. After it's compiled, we have it analyzed by our scientific team. They crunch the data down and we give it to you. 
the woman I spoke about before made real changes in her life and is happier than she ever was before. Can you guarantee happiness? No. You have to take the data and figure out your own answer. We have therapists on staff to help guide you through the data and help, moving, uh, help with moving forward with a new life plan. With a big price tag. We have different levels of care. How will that work if I hire you? I will know you're following me. I'll always be looking for you and act differently than I would naturally. The process usually takes at least a year before we begin the case. By that time, most people have forgotten. We've waited up to four years before starting on cases. That's a whole lot of time. It's an extensive process. We spend a lot of time getting to know the person, like having a psychologist without ever speaking to them. That's how deep we look. How long have you been with the company? I've been working for them since I graduated college. It's been about 14 years in the building, but only seven years working in this capacity. How'd you hear about us? I'm a friend. We don't advertise. That just means you overcharge wealthy people. They're the most susceptible for gullibility with dumb shit like this. We deal with people that usually just sign the check for whatever we ask for. You're right. And if you're here, then you have someone in your life that'll sign the check when the time comes. You don't know me at all. Well, you obviously married for power or money. You're a shell of the person you used to be, and that's why you're lashing out at everyone. You're not young anymore, and your looks aren't what they were. Jesus. You don't have to make it personal. Am I right? You just described every middle-aged woman. But you came from the Midwest. You worked for a living. The handshake was a real handshake, not some debutante. I work to get where I am. But you're also fed up with the peer group. You don't fit in with all those wealthy people. You dress like them and look like them, but you're not them. You're alone in a room full of people all trying to get your attention. Where did you go to school? Just down the road. What did you study? Biology major with a ton of research experience. I was also involved with the sociology department. I loved data. I started here as data entry, just typing. Are you married? Do you have any, any more questions about the program? Keep your personal life out of the office. I like that. Did you fill out the paperwork that was sent with the information? It helps with the onboarding to at least have some basic information. I left it with your secretary out there. Sweet woman. There's so much paperwork in the first few weeks. Please try to keep up with it. Just to let you know, we have a two-year backup with cases. I will give you a week or two, and I will contact you to sit down and talk again. I'll take the rest of the paperwork, and we'll go from there. Is it worth it to know yourself? I think so. We only live once. I think we owe it to ourselves to understand who we really are. Thanks. Is there another reason you came here today? No. I mean, no. Okay. Helen, it was nice to meet you. Thanks, Danny. You too. It's Daniel. Right, Daniel. I'll remember. She exits the room. The door closes. He gets on his phone and he dials in a number. Daniel, case 62882, Helen Martin. It's already been added to the system and okay for initial fact-finding. What? She just came in. She just filled out the beginning paperwork. This is a high-profile case. This is also a need-to-know base, basis case as well. Right now, we need you to assess. There's a safe house across from her high-rise apartment. We have our setup crew there now. When does the case begin? It begins tonight. I just came off assignment. I haven't had proper time between 
This isn't a negotiation. This is your boss telling you to do your job. I helped write that manual. I don't need it recited back to me. It's only recon. It won't be a full assessment. It will only be a few weeks. I understand. And then you can take a few weeks off. You haven't taken any time off. This is a mandatory vacation. I don't need to take any- Mandatory vacation. Mandatory vacation. See, you understand. Just you for a couple weeks. You can handle that? Yes, sir. You're doing a good job, Daniel. I do appreciate the work. Just keep it up for a few more weeks. The phone line goes dead. Daniel hangs up the phone. He stands and goes to his closet. He pulls a bag from inside and a few hangers. He takes some jeans and a shirt from the bag. He begins to take off his suit. End of excerpt. So. What are, so yeah, what are our thoughts on David Franicki's play, uh, or sorry, screen, excerpt from his screenplay? That was a lot of fun. That was really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Was definitely intriguing. Like I wanna know what, I mean, where he works, why he's doing what he's doing. Interesting characters, very interesting characters. Yeah, it's a really cool Thank premise. You so much. But did anyone see the, the twist coming? No. Not at all. I went a little method, by the way, and switched out to a gray sweatshirt. So I'm going to go put my uh, ugly sweater back on. <laughs> and you also picked up a phone. I was going to say, I saw that. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need me to go put on a tight red dress? I can do that. <laughs> yeah, I was really disappointed there wasn't a cigarette in your hand. <laughs> I, dude, I literally was like... <laughs> I should have I just been like sipping wine the whole time. That was right she, she was fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the same. Uh, I, I anticipated everyone kind of feeling the, the way I did. He sent me the excerpt, and I told him, like, I can't wait to find out what else is going on. How does this? What happens from here? That's the mark yeah. of a, a good story. I love uh, the idea of it being like an office. It's like really cool, like an office doing that. I think that's so cool. <laughs>